0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Oh, what a bad day yesterday for the anti-Trump crowd. Yes, yes. (laughs) The conspiracy theorists, the media loons, the liberal attack dogs, not a good day for the entire cabal (laughs) of lunatics yesterday. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? (laughs) Good. It was a... It was a bad day for the knuckleheads, yeah. wasn't it? You, yeah. yeah, it was, but you'd never know by the media know, coverage. Who continues to pretend that their entire case against uh, President Trump isn't falling apart. No. The whole thing is collapsing by the second. Yeah. We had the 302 yesterday from Flynn, the original 302. The summary of his interview uh, finally outed yesterday. It's devastating. The media wants you to believe, especially some of these Looney Tune anti-Trumpers, want you to believe, oh, look at this. Now it's out, and it shows that Flynn's a Liar. no that's it, it actually it, it destroys your case so i'll get into that today and some comey falling apart yesterday completely collapsing and what jim comey's really hiding all right today's show brought to you by our buddies at policy genius life insurance is a deeply unfun topic Most people just don't want to talk about dying. and don't want to even think about it, obviously. And they definitely don't like thinking about insurance. But actually having life insurance feels great. And getting that peace of mind doesn't need to be complicated. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can afford. From there, you can apply online. And the unbiased advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. Don't you worry, leaving you free to do the things you actually enjoy. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easier. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowners insurance, or auto insurance, they can help you get covered fast. If you've been intimidated or frustrated by insurance in the past, give Policy Genius a try. Go check it out. Love Policy Genius. Just go to PolicyGenius.com to get your quotes and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing in your phone right now. PolicyGenius.com. PolicyGenius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Check them out. PolicyGenius.com. All right. So uh, we had a lot going on yesterday. Uh, one of the, the big stories was Jim Comey Okay, good. Losing his mind uh, up on Capitol Hill yesterday. Former FBI director. It's now becoming crystal clear what Jim Comey is hiding. So he goes up to Capitol Hill to testify again about all his malfeasance that he uh, he directed while he was the head of the FBI up on Capitol Hill. He comes out and he get, he engages in this absurd, outrageous outburst. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, after play this cut first and I'll tell you why he he blew up like this. The FBI's reputation has taken a big hit because the President of the United States, with his acolytes, has lied about it constantly. And in the face of those lies, a whole lot of good people who watch your network believe that nonsense. That's a tragedy. That will be undone eventually. But that damage has nothing to do with me. Jim Comey losing his mind, blaming Fox News and Catherine Herridge. That was Catherine Herridge from Fox News asking him that question, if his reputation, uh, if he had anything to do with the reputation of the FBI taking a hit. Comey cannot take the fact that he single handedly was responsible for managing the FBI at the time of one of the worst scandals in law enforcement and intelligence gathering in modern U.S. history. Jim Comey is a joke. Now, why is he a joke? You've heard that clip everywhere, but some of the analysis has been lacking. Some of it's been really good, but some of this has been it's been lacking. Why is Comey now desperate to change the narrative? Mm hmm. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Comey's entire case, his entire existence for being has been hiding the fact that his case against Donald Trump to weaponize the FBI was based on one thing and one thing only. That is the dossier. And yesterday, the dossier had one hell of a really bad day, folks. Strap in and get ready. You're a loser. He is now. Understand. Please understand. I was on Fox last night. I was on the Sean Hannity show with Judge Jeanine filling in. Oh, uh, wait, by the way, one big announcement. I will be filling in for Sean Hannity on both his radio and television show this coming Wednesday, so not tonight, uh, but Wednesday, and I'll be filling in on the TV show again on Thursday. So radio show Wednesday, uh, TV show Wednesday night, and Fox TV show Wednesday night and Thursday night. That's my big news. I'm super stoked. So uh, a whole hour you're stuck with me at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Please, please tune in. Let's blow it up Let's make sure we get the ratings, Gracie. You're, you're a busy boy, man. You are I, busy. I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's more going on, too. I got more yeah. good news for you later. But uh, with regard to that, so I was on last night. Judge Jeanine was filling in, who always does a wonderful job. She's become a great friend. And Judge Janine asked me to lay it out for the audience simply what's going on with Comey. I said, Judge, this is it. It's this simple. Jim Comey was the FBI director. The FBI director initiated or signed off on an investigation to Donald Trump. They based their investigation on... On a dossier that is now fake. It's a hoax. Now, I'm going to go into the bad day the dossier had yesterday. Three huge things happened. Hat tip Daily Caller Chuck Ross for putting it together in a tweet yesterday. But three things happened. But before I get into the dossier's bad day, I want to talk about specifically why Jim Comey is in a panic about this. And this is a part of the analysis that I brought out last night on Fox, but it's, it's missing from a lot of folks. They're not getting this. Folks, there is an established procedure for verifying information like the dossier. The dossier was information, right? Brought to the FBI by a bunch of people paid by Hillary. There is an established procedure, Joseph. We've talked about this repeatedly for them to verify information. Why? Very simple. Judges in the FISA court and as a matter of integrity and and fidelity to the constitutional republic and the integrity of the system, don't want fake information in their courts. Joe was born on Mars. Let's arrest him for uh, treason and sedition. What, what are you talking about? You have to verify that stupidity. There's a procedure. It's called the Woods Procedure. It is a documented, lined-out procedure that creates a paper trail. The point I tried to make last night on the Hannity Show is that every stage of that, there is paperwork there are there's 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 a trail generated of information. How how the heck did Jim Comey as the FBI director as one of the final authorities to sign off on the dossier and the uh, justice department who simultaneously have to verify the dossier how did they verify a document that we now know is a hoax? Folks the answer is they didn't. We know they didn't. Because Bill Price step who was one of Jim Comey's deputies, who was in charge of the division investigating Donald Trump, has already acknowledged that they didn't verify it. Do you, are you getting? Please tell me you're picking this up here. Jim Comey was the FBI director when they ignored procedures for verifying information and walked it into a FISA court and swore to it. There's a paper trail there where Jim Comey is going to have to, at some point, acknowledge either he's really dumb and got played by false information, which I don't believe, and you don't either, me either. or, yeah, I, you like the whispers, me me either. either. Jim Comey is going to have to acknowledge his malfeasance, that he knew the information was in fact garbage, and that's why he's being so cryptic about the dossier. Oh, I didn't really know. I'm not really sure where the dossier came from. That's not true. He told George Stephanopoulos in an interview when asked why he didn't disclose the origins of the dossier to Trump. He didn't say he didn't know the origins. He responded back, I'm not really sure. He, He didn't say I didn't know the origins of it. He knew the dossier was fake. And he ran with it anyway. Are you getting that? Yeah. That is the problem Jim Comey is having right now. Hell there yeah. is, it's, it's an established procedure. You have to authenticate and verify the information. Jim Comey did not do it. Now, double trouble and why I've been insistent from the start that Bob Mueller is not, in fact, a good guy. That Bob Mueller was brought in for one reason and one reason only. To clean this mess up and salvage the reputation of the Department of Justice and the FBI who knowingly investigated a presidential candidate based on fake false information. Right. A hoax. The Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot. Well, uh, we don't know about Bigfoot. Who knows? No. Working on that one. <laughs> I'm, messing, I'm messing with you, folks. I'm messing with you. Stand easy as he's to stay in a mustard <laughs> deck in a police academy. Okay. <laughs> it was a hoax. They're nailed down. They have nowhere to go. Now, Bob Mueller's old chief of staff, ladies and gentlemen. This is why Mueller's the perfect guy for the cleanup operation. His old chief of staff, John Carlin, was the head of the Department of Justice National Security Division. That was what He was one of the last guys. He is a big-time higher-up while all this is going on in the DOJ. John Carlin's one of the last guys to sign off that the information was verified according to the Woods procedure in the DOJ. So think about this. Jim Comey, desperate, to turn this into a political thing it's about fox news now fox news you fox news people all you crazy people out <laughs> there attacking the fbi comey signs off but the information is verified on the fbi side there's two it's a parallel path the doj has to sign off on the dossier too one of the last people to sign off on the DI, doj side is who bob Mueller's old chief of staff john carlin who's got liability in this too Where's Mueller talking about him? Where's the you hearing his name outside of this show where we brought it up frequently? The answer is no, you're not. They all had a prescribed procedure they ignored in order to politically go after Donald Trump. Don't miss this point. Now, the judge also asked me if I thought there was going to be some political penalty. She doesn't believe so. Or a legal penalty. I I hope so. I can't predict the future. I have very little faith in what the government's doing anymore. But I hope that Bill Barr, I accidentally called him Bob Barr last night. Bill, I knew it was Bill. I'm sorry. I was thinking of that libertarian guy. Um, Bill Barr, the new AG. I can only hope that Bill Barr, the new AG, and John Huber are looking into this. I can't promise you anything, ladies and gentlemen. I can I'm not going to lie to you. But I love the constitutional republic and it's worth fighting for. What do you want me to do? Give up? I'll forget it. Nothing's going to happen. Let's leave it. No, I'm not giving up. I'll talk about it every day until something happens. That's what we do here. Okay, so point number one with this, Comey's lashing out because there's a paper trail. He is in that paper trail having verified a dossier that is now exposed as a hoax, and people who are intimately connected to Mueller were involved in verifying this hoax, too, as an excuse to spy on a presidential candidate. Point number two, the dossier's a hoax, and it had a really, really bad day yesterday. Uh What happened with the, we should call it the P dossier. You know why. The P dossier. What happened with the dossier yesterday? Why was it as if the dossier had any credibility before? If you've been re, if you read my book, Spygate, please, if you haven't, by the way, read it, please read it. I We put so much work into it. And it is such an intense body of information. This show will be so much more um, nutritious, let's say, to you once you have the background on it. It's like vitamins and minerals for the soul. Go check out my book, Spygate, please. Yesterday, three things happened uh, that that just completely collapsed any potential hope that this dossier that attacked Donald Trump was going to be was going to be shown to be true. It is a complete hoax. Number one, a central component of the dossier, which we have debunked repeatedly. So I don't want to spend too much time on this one, but it's just fascinating to bring up again. A central component of this that now even the mainstream media is starting to acknowledge is going to be, uh, has been completely annihilated, destroyed, decimated. Central component of the dossier, of course, is the Michael Cohen, Trump lawyer, the story that he went to Prague to arrange this whole thing with the Kremlin-connected people. In other words, Trump's lawyer went to Prague to connect with the Kremlin to to work on hacking Hillary's emails. Folks, that is a central component of the hoax dossier. It's a big deal if it happened, right? But? A huge deal. But... (laughs) Michael Cohen, as we have repeatedly said, has never been to Prague. Michael Cohen is now a cooperator with the Mueller team and the Southern District of New York. Those are two separate investigations going on. And Cohen has still not admitted to going to Prague. Not only is he not admitting to going to Prague, which you would think if he was a cooperator in a collusion case, that the collusion case based on a dossier would say, hey, Cohen, were you in Prague? Apparently he wasn't. How do we know that? Here is Michael Cohen's spokesperson, a Clintonite, a Clintonista, Lanny Davis, an attorney himself, who is the spokesman for Cohen. Here is him. It's a little bit of an older cut, but it's important we bring this up again. Here is Lanny Davis on MSNBC when asked about Michael Cohen and his trip to Prague. I also want to ask you about uh, one kind of key fact in the Steele uh, dossier, or perhaps not a fact, but one key assertion. And they say that... Cohen traveled to Prague <laughs> to arrange secret payments to Russian hackers. Did that trip no. ever happen? No. Everybody. America. We all love Casey's show. No. No Prague ever. Never. He posted it on the internet when his lawyers from McDermott, Will, and Emory answered that question and he's actually instructed me when I was serving as his lawyer, just don't answer it anymore because it's one of these uh, silly things that constantly gets repeated. So the answer is no, he's never been to Prague or even asked me what about the suburbs (laughs) of no that what liberals dear libs dear i i start a lot of my tweets dear liberals Uh, what are you are you brain dead seriously have has has your have you had some kind of a cerebral accident is there some kind of like a thing going on with your melon like it's not functioning correctly the whole dossier is Contingent on Cohen going to Prague to set up this illusory hacking of the of the system that Trump was involved in, supposedly. It never happened. Exactly, Joe. This never happened. That's a Clintonista, Lanny Davis, who has every motivation in the world. This guy is knee deep in the Clinton space. Just Google Lanny Davis, Hillary Clinton. If you doubt anything, I'm telling you. This is a Clintonista representing Michael Cohen, who is now cooperating. He doesn't even like Trump anymore. He is cooperating against him, saying conclusively, in no uncertain terms, he has never, ever, never been to Prague. This never happened. It did not happen. So that's point number one. I'm sorry to repeat it, but it's critical. The do- The whole case is the dossier. Comey knows it. He signed off on it. The dossier is entirely discredited and debunked, and they have nowhere to go. Number two, Greg Miller, investigative reporter for the Washington Post. The Washington Post. Not the Washington Times, not the Washington Examiner, not the Wall Street Journal. Not conservative review. Right. Greg Miller, investigative reporter for the Washington Post, gave a, an interview that was recorded by C SPAN 2. I have the article up at the show notes today. It's a piece by, uh, I believe, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller. There is, I'd play the whole interview, but in the interest of time, I'll just sum it up for you. Miller himself, Has said the Washington Post for two years, Joe, has been desperately trying to verify that Michael Cohen went to Prague and can find no information at all that that trip happened. He says they spent two years and he's relatively confident right now, based on sources as well within the CIA, Joe, and the FBI, that it didn't happen. So now we have Michael Cohen saying the trip to Prague didn't happen. We have Michael Cohen's Clintonista lawyer saying the trip never happened. We have Greg Miller from the Washington Post saying for two years, the Washington Post, Joe, Miller Miller even went through the steps that they took to try to verify this. The Washington Post sent reporters, he sent to nearly every hotel in Prague in a desperate attempt to try to find Cohen, Cohen's name, anything, nothing, Zippo, it didn't happen. They have zero information that th- it didn't happen. Not only that, Miller doubles down. Hmm. Read the piece by Chuck Ross. And he says his contacts and the FBI and the CIA are saying it didn't happen either, that this claim is likely false. Folks, this is a reporter for the Washington Post. This is not a reporter for, you know, uh, uh, some right-leaning website. So first, we have Prague now discredited. Second, we have Greg Miller. This is kind of too big because it falls under left-leaning reporters debunking the dossier themselves. Mm. Michael Isakoff. Michael Isikoff, uh, the Yahoo News reporter who has been knee-deep in this entire thing working with Alexandra Chalupa to expose Manafort and and work with Ukrainian people to kind of get narratives out there. Izakov, whose own work on the dossier is cited by the dossier, uh, excuse me, the FBI. Joe, there is no reporter more knee-deep and embedded in making the collusion scandal happen than Michael Isikov. None. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is Michael Isikov even wrote a book on it. Yeah. About the collusion, you know, myth. Mm-hmm. Isikoff needs collusion to happen. To his credit, though, I never thought I'd say this. Even Isakoff is starting to acknowledge that this dossier is, quote, his words, not mine, likely false. Isakoff, this guy has been knee deep in this whole collusion fairy tale to his own detriment is now acknowledging that this dossier is likely false so you have the washington post that's been promoting this hoax for two years the collusion hoax acknowledging the bedrock of the whole case the dossier their investigative reporters saying it's bs you have isikoff it's likely false you have lanny davis he's never been to Prague. The dossier is entirely collapsing. That's why Bob Mueller, instead of just admitting his entire case is based on a hoax, is now moving on to Middle Eastern collusion. Go listen to last week's show and you'll figure that out. That's his his next step. Using, by the way, as a source, George Nader, as an informant, Bob Mueller, using George Nader, Nader, who's represented by Obama's former fixer, Catherine Rumbler, his White House lawyer. Nothing to see there, folks, at all. Mueller will not let this go, even though there's nothing to grab onto. Here is the final and the most devastating, devastating piece of the dossier debunking puzzle. Rowan Scarborough has a piece up at the Washington Times. It's in the it's in the show notes today. Please read it. Go to Bongino.com. We would deeply appreciate it if you subscribe to our email list. We will send you these articles every day in your inbox. The Rowan Scarborough piece of the Washington Times is a must read. It is fantastic. Scarborough got his hands on answers to some uh, interrogative questions. Christopher Steele answered at a lawsuit, uh, at a, at a a, a case he was, I'm not explaining as well. Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS were sued. By three Russian bankers, whose company appears in the dossier, uh, and and the company Alpha Bank is alleged to have been somehow colluding with the Russians and the Trump team. Alpha Bank, Joe, if, I'm, if I don't get this right, stop I me. I remember here, Alpha Bank. We went over. We were in yeah, there before. Yeah, Alpha, exactly. Alpha Bank is in the dossier, yeah. um, and it is a is a central player in the dossier for the scheme to coordinate with the Trump team and the Russians. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Alpha Bank sued Christopher Steele or su- sued Fusion GPS. Where Christopher Steele worked, saying this is total BS. The Alpha Bank story that there were servers in Russia communicating with Alpha Bank servers or something in Trump Tower has been entirely debunked. It's been debunked by the FBI, it's been debunked by the New York Times, it was spam emails. And they don't know how it got to Trump Tower. They think it was maybe an Alpha Bank employee that was staying there. The story's been debunked by everyone. There was no secret back channel of communication between Trump Tower and the Russians through Alpha Bank servers. Are we clear on that? That story has been entirely discredited. hmm It's been so discredited that Alpha Bank, again, sued Fusion GPS, of which Christopher Steele had to show up in court and give answers to very specific questions. We tracking? Mm-hmm. Steele shows up in court. Rowan Scarborough gets his hands on some of Steele's answers. One of the answers to a question is absolutely devastating for Steele, the dossier, the Democrats, Jim Comey, and every other Obama administration sucker who tried to play us all for fools. Now, he's asked about Orbis, Christopher Steele's company, and the Fusion GPS client, them needing this information contained in the dossier. Steele's answer to what the purpose of his dossier was is unbelievable. He says, quote, that the Hillary for America would was considering steps that they would legally be entitled to take to challenge the validity of the outcome of that election. What? Let me let me get this straight. So now in a sworn sworn answers in a legal lawsuit Christopher Steele is now acknowledging that Hillary wanted the dossier in case they lost to challenge the election. Ladies and gentlemen, please tell me how this isn't front page news everywhere. I know, right? Joe's giving me the look right now. I had not told him this before the show. How how is this not on the front page of every major newspaper in America? That not only now is the Washington Post, Michael Isakoff. Lanny Davis, Michael Cohen and everybody else starting to acknowledge that Jim Comey's case based on the dossier was based on a total hoax. But now we have in a sworn answer to a question in a lawsuit, Christopher Steele acknowledging that the Clinton team wanted the dossier to challenge the results of the election in case they lost. Folks, you know I, I don't. I don't even know where to go with this stuff anymore. I don't know how much I can like uh, beat people over the head with this before you understand how we are going through right now. What is the biggest scandal of of the century? Now, the the guy who put together the dossier is now acknowledging in court, just to be crystal clear on what he said. He's acknowledging they used foreign information from Kremlin connected sources. His words in prior interviews, not mine. That Christopher Steele used foreign information as a way for Hillary Clinton, in the event she lost, to get engage in a disinformation campaign on a fake dossier to challenge an election. Who's guilty of collusion and election interference again? Explain that again. Steele is acknowledging He used Russian disinformation. It's false. It's fake. We know it's fake. Steele is acknowledging he used it and fed it to Hillary because Hillary wanted to use the information to challenge the election if she lost. You're not going to hear that anywhere else. On the mainstream media. Folks, I just read it to you. That's Christopher Steele himself. It's, it's really just hard to believe what's going on right now. It's, it's re- really, I'm serious. I'm having a hard time getting around my arms around how bad this really is and how the mainstream media is not showing an ounce of entrepreneurial integrity where is greg miller and michael isakoff where are their stories now acknowledging hey we screwed up this is a bigger scandal than we thought the fbi targeted a presidential candidate using foreign hoax information because the losing candidate wanted to overthrow the results of the election where's the media on where are you guys where are any of you going to stand up and grow a pair? Yeah, I know, Joe. It's it's just it's yesterday. This was a folks. This is one of those shows I humbly request you share. Please share with people who are non-believers because all of this stuff is documented. Lanny Davis, we played for you the soundbite. Prague didn't happen. Greg Miller, their stories in the show notes. You can watch the video yourself. The Washington Post own reporter debunking the dossier a cop the dossier is likely false Christopher Steele's own words the guy who produced the dossier either he's lying or he's not oh Christopher Steele he said that it was uh he produced the dossier to challenge the election using foreign information. Oh, he's a liar if he's a liar then the dossiers a lie he produced the dossier you can't have it both ways how are you, where are you media people where's David Ignatius where's this a cop where are they exposing this? When is this scandal going to go mainstream? You know, I want to hat tip Chuck Ross and Lee, uh, Lee Smith and Jeff Carlson and all the people out there on the internet and uh, working through the Daily Caller and other places, Jeff at the Epoch Times, exposing this. Because the mainstream media has, is, com- is in complete hibernation mode. It is a disgrace. It is an intergalactic cosmic embarrassment that the biggest scandal of our time is still being ignored by mainstream media loons. It's disgusting. All right, uh, move on. I got a lot more to get to, including I haven't even touched the Flint 302 yet, which is another nightmare. Although the, you, you, you never guess it by the liberals who are celebrating the release of the 302 as if they have something there. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Brickhouse makes one of the finest nutrition supplements out there. It's called Foundation. It's one of my favorite products. Foundation is a creatine ATP blend, and it does something you want every supplement to do, but it does it better than any other supplement I've tried. You'll look better, and you'll perform better. You'll feel better, too, so it's kind of the trifecta. It is a creatine ATP blend. Creatine is your one of the body's uh, ways of generating in the, in the anaerobic mechanism uh, work. And enables you to do more work. But the nice benefit with creatine is you get this intracellular volumization effect. I don't want to get too wonky with you, but it makes your muscles look harder and more defined. It's fantastic. If you don't believe me, take the mirror test, right? Go look in the mirror. See what you look like. Take a mental snapshot. Give foundation seven days to work. Male, female. Uh, it doesn't matter. Some people say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a woman. I'm a guy. Is this right for me? It's right for all of you. Creatine is a perfectly natural, safe product. Uh, it's president meats. Uh, you're just getting a nice concentrated dose of this. It is terrific. After you give it about seven days to work, look in the mirror again. You're going to be like, whoa, check this out. It is that good. <laughs> the product is called Foundation use it as prescribed on the back. You can't beat it. It is terrific. Go give it a shot. You will perform better in the gym as well. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go check it out. It is a terrific product. You're going to love it. It's called Foundation, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Okay. Now, Onto the Flynn documents that came out last night. I spent last night reading. It's not very long. Uh, you all can read it too. For your convenience, I request you read it. If you get a second, I know some of you are busy. It's not long. Um, it's about 11 pages, but a lot of it's repetitive because there were two, which is a little bit suspicious. Two of them filed. And you can read the reason why in the opening where Mueller says there was some kind of a drafting error in the, in the title of the report. Um, you know, a lot of people are questioning that. In other words, why was the 302 edited? So... You know, until I get a definitive answer, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give you information that's uh, potentially inaccurate. So I'm going to hold on that. But you can read it. I provided the link uh, to the PDF in the show notes today. Now, to be clear what we're talking about. There was a summary called the 302 of the Flynn interview on January 24th. Now, it suspiciously was drafted uh, February, I believe, 15th which is obviously weeks after the interview. Now, this is not standard operating procedure. For instance, in the Hillary Clinton case, when they interviewed Hillary Clinton, the summary of that interview was drafted right away immediately. Apparently when they interviewed Mike Flynn, obviously Joe, there was some sort of deliberative process afterwards because it took them over two weeks to draft this 302 or the summary of the interview. What were they deliberating about now? There have been whistleblowers who are out there who are claiming that there have been video conferences where people in the FBI are talking about ways to nail Mike Flynn to the wall after the interview. Now, that's not been confirmed yet because the guy's saying we got to get the video on this VTC if they have it. I'm simply suggesting to you that that is that that claim is out there. So just to be clear, we're talking about Flynn's interviewed at the end of January. The summary of that interview is not filed for over two weeks later. Not SOP. That's not standard operating procedure. They didn't do the same thing with Hillary Clinton, especially in a case of this magnitude. You would think they would have filed the report right away. Also, the original report was edited. According to Mueller's filings, because of some kind of drafting error, which has a lot of people very suspicious. But there are a number of extremely damaging pieces of information in this 302. And now it's obvious why the FBI did not want this out there. Now, there are some redactions in it, to be clear. I'm going to hammer what it is, what the problems with this 302 are. Now, to be clear, so you understand what Flynn was charged with. Flynn was charged with lying to the FBI about a conversation he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak over primarily two things. There were sanctions against Israel based on Israeli settlements and a UN vote. Flynn was asked if he discussed those with the Russian ambassador, the sanctions. Um, and Flynn responded, uh, no, and he had because they had the transcripts. I'm going to get into that. I'm talking about the FBI's charges. I'm not talking about reality and what happened. I'm going to get to that in a second based on the 302. Mm-hmm. But the second part of it, the second part about the the alleged uh, lies, and I say alleged even though he pled because I still don't believe he lied. I think he had to take the plea based on a potential, uh, you know, him, them going after his family and the fact that they bankrupted him. The second thing was when Obama suspiciously expels these diplomats, right as Flynn's over in the Dominican Republic, these Russian diplomats, the Russians call Flynn right away as the incoming national security advisor. And when asked about the response to that and the Russians' part, if they should moderate the response, which according to the transcript, uh, Flynn. Uh, says that, you know, basically be careful with the response here because we're coming into office soon. Apparently he lied to the FBI about that too. Now, here's what the 302 actually says and why they're in a world of trouble. Does that make sense, Joe? Flynn was asked about, hey, did Mm -hmm. you talk about sanctions? Flynn said no. uh, This is the FBI's allegations, um, and they did. And then on the expulsion, did you tell the Russians to basically take it easy after we expelled their diplomats? Flynn said no, but apparently he did. You may say, what's the problem, Dan? He's, he's busted. Eh, not so much. Let me read to you what it actually says in the 302. Number one, they ask Flynn. This is from the 302 himself, what Peter Stroke and Joe Pianca wrote after the interview two weeks later, after the, quote, deliberation. It says the interviewing agents asked Flynn if he recalled any conversations with Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, about a U.N. vote surrounding the issue of Israeli settlements. Flynn quickly responded, "Yes, good reminder." What happened, Joe? I thought he responded no. Didn't that, wait, wait. Isn't that what they told us? Uh uh-huh. Joe. Wait. Weren't we told when the issue of the Israeli sanctions and the Israeli settle? Excuse me, the Israeli settlements issue came up. Weren't we told in the lying to the FBI report that Flynn lied about this whole thing? Yeah, I believe we were. So Flynn, when asked if he was, he said, when asked about this exact question, he says, "Yes, good, good reminder. Don't forget the reminder word." Why would Joe? Why would someone say yes? Good reminder. Let me ask him. Joe, you and I had a lot of conversations yeah. yesterday. Um, if I asked you the specific words of every conversation, would you remember them? No. But if I clued you in and said, "Hey Joe, remember when we talked about the video thing coming up?" Right. <clears> they <throat> like that yeah. little problem. remember when we talked about that. If you say yes, good reminder. What does that suggest to me that you forgot? Right. Yeah. And yeah. That- you're saying yes. Good reminder because I cued you, and now you remember. Ah, uh, yes, I remember. Yeah, not complicated. Yeah, see, you did yeah. it just now. Thanks, man. Now you remember what I'm remembering. Yeah. So Flynn, apparently, this is where this is how they screwed him. It's so obvious, and I'm 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 laughing at all the liberal goofballs who think this exonerates them. He says yes. Good reminder. Uh it said uh, here we go. This is where it gets interesting. On the 22nd of December, Flynn called a litany of countries to include Israel. The U.K. goes down a list. Uh, Part of the reason for Flynn's calls was to conduct an exercise to see how fast the incoming administration could get someone on the line. Folks, this is critical. This is critical. Is Mike Flynn confusing his calls? You get where I'm going with this, Joe? Sure. He's human. Let me read to you something else. A Couple paragraphs later, I'm going to tie this together. Don't go anywhere because this the liberals are totally missing this. So are a lot of other people, which is upsetting. At the end of this conversation about the the conversation about the settlements, Flynn. It's, this is the FBI agent saying this. Who don't think he lied, by the way. We know that because they said that. Flynn again stated that he appreciated the interviewing agents. Reminding him that he had another conversation with Kislyak. Folks, now it makes complete sense. Now it makes complete sense. When asked about it, asked about his conversations with the Russian ambassador over these sanctions, these Israeli settlements, and his UN vote, which Flynn clearly doesn't tell the whole story on in the transcript, there's no doubt about that. If you read the 302, it's clear as day. Flynn is Flynn has repeatedly spoken to this Russian ambassador in 30 other countries. I told you he was in the Dominican Republic. He was on vacation. His communications were poor. What do people do on vacation? Have a couple adult sodas, maybe. Maybe you get a call. You're not so you know you're on you're taking a bit of a break. Flynn's been. He just says in the report he's spoken to 30 countries. He appre- the agents indicated Flynn was appreciative of the reminder of another call with Kislyak. It's clear as day, folks, what happened and why the agents themselves think Flynn didn't lie. Are, are, please tell me yeah. you're following me here. Mm-hmm. Flynn's confusing the phone calls. Why is he thanking the FBI agents for reminding him about the other call? Because he's probably confusing the phone calls and doesn't remember the conversation. Listen folks I I'd have no business ties or no pre-existing personal relationship with Mike Flint none I have no dog in this fight at all other than justice I'm telling you as a former federal agent this case is an abomination. They should not have been at the White House anyway, the FBI, interviewing Mike Flynn. They had no reason to be. The Washington Post themselves received a leak the day before the FBI agent showed up to interview Flynn that the FBI found, quote, nothing illicit about his calls. There was no reason for them to be there. Now they go there. They have a transcript of his call. They know his exact words, which he clearly doesn't remember. He thanks them for reminding him he's had numerous calls with Kislyak. It's clear as day to me that Flynn's confusing the phone calls. He doesn't remember the precise words on the sanctions. Gee, why would he not remember that? Maybe because, quote, he talked with up to 30 countries. Where Where is it? He spoke with 30 countries about it. And they go down the list. Flynn was confusing the calls. Oh, that can't be true, Dan. Then why did the FBI agents themselves say he wasn't being deceptive and wasn't lying? Because he wasn't. It makes perfect sense. He's thanking them. Oh, yeah, I had a m- number of calls. Right. If I say to Joe, hey, you know, did we talk yesterday, Uh, you know, about the new Joey Bag a donut shirt in the right. Chum store? Um, uh, It depends. Which call, Dan? Because we had a couple calls. Yeah. Oh, uh, The second one. Oh, Dan, thanks yeah. for the reminder. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yes, good reminder. Uh-huh. No, I don't think we talked about it on that call. Maybe he just forgot. He spoke to 30 countries. Not in the same day. He's on vacation. Put two and two together. The FBI themselves has acknowledged. The agents that interview him that he wasn't lying. Does this make sense? Why is he thanking them? Why is he thanking them, folks? So just to tie this up on the sanctions topic. Yes, he clearly didn't tell the whole story. The conversation, we have the transcript, which was illegally leaked to David Ignatius of the Washington Post in a felony. We know, according to the transcript, that he clearly discussed sanctions with Kislyak. So if he did, why would he say he didn't? But why would he then thank the FBI for reminding him he had multiple conversations with Kislyak? Because, like I said, he was on vacation. He probably just didn't remember. That's why he thanked him. He didn't understand this was an adversarial interview. That is a key line. Flynn appreciated the agents reminding him he had another conversation with Kislyak. And you think this is good for you, you police state tyrants? How is this good for your case? He didn't even remember he had another conversation, but you expect. So, you know what? Here's the easiest way to sum this up before we move on. He didn't even remember he had another conversation, but you want him to remember the details of it. And that makes sense to you? Right. Oh my gosh, knuckleheads. Secondly, on the expulsion of the Russian diplomats, which yes, according to the transcript, they did discuss, but Flynn did not recall. How do we know? Because let me read to you his answer. The again, the FBI's alleging and Bob Mueller's alleging, oh he lied. He knowingly lied about having this conversation about the Russian diplomats being expelled and he said he didn't talk about it. That's not what he said, folks. Let me give you the answer. From the 302 itself, the interviewing agents asked Flynn if he recalled any conversation with Kislyak in which the expulsions were discussed, where Flynn might have encouraged Kislyak not to escalate the situation, to keep the Russian response reciprocal or not to engage in a tit-for-tat. Flynn responded, not really, I don't remember. It wasn't don't do anything. Folks, if Flynn told them not to do anything, why is he saying I don't remember? Because he doesn't remember. He's saying it wasn't don't do anything. He did tell them to moderate their response. But he clearly says here, not really, I don't remember. And the FBI agents are sitting there saying he's not. he doesn't look like he's lying to us. Is it just possible? Possible. That Flynn actually doesn't remember the conversation, hence why he thanked the FBI for reminding him about multiple conversations He's talking to 30 different countries. He's the incoming national security advisor. He doesn't even remember the call. You want him to remember the details? The first part of this is critical. Not really. I don't remember. This is your open and shut case against the decorated American hero? Now, do you see why they wanted to hide this? It's real, by the way, it's embarrassing, straight up embarrassing that the liberals actually believe this adds to, in any way, buttresses their case. It makes you look like fools. Like, Fisher. he doesn't remember the call. He thanks them for reminding him about the call. When asked about the details of the call, And the second part, he says, I don't even remember. He's on vacation. He says his communications are poor. This is a joke. This is a setup. The FBI agent shouldn't have even been there in the first place. There was no crime to investigate. You're supposed to investigate crimes. You're not supposed to investigate people and produce crimes. That's what they did with Mike Flynn. This is a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. All right, I got a couple. I want a couple. Uh, I want to get a couple more stories out because there's something going on with Rubio. I don't get, man. I just don't get Rubio down here in Florida. I don't know what happened. This guy went had so much promise and is turned into like the biggest rhino out there. It's so disappointing. Wow. Really? I'm, yeah. Something else. It's amazing. You know, and I shouldn't say he votes good on a lot of issues, mm-hmm. um, but some of this stuff with the tax, I don't get it. So, I, a quick story on that and a couple more things. Uh, finally, though, today. Hey, when you think of the perfect gift, you probably don't think of an electric toothbrush, right? But you should. I love this product, Quip. But the Quip electric toothbrush is one of the most gifted, uh, gift-guided gifts of the season. And here's why. It's perfect for everyone with a mouth. You all got one of those? Well. Yeah, We Joe got one. I, I got one. It's a big one. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's something. it's something they'll use twice every day. I use mine, actually, three, four times every day. It's Quip. Quip. Q-U-I-P. We love Quip. Quip is the best electric toothbrush out there. It has sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough to use in your sensitive gums, gums, and a built-in timer with guiding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. No guesswork. Quip makes holiday travel clean and easy. as has a multi-use cover, mounts to your mirror, and unmounts to slide over the bristles uh, for on-the-go brushing. It doesn't require a clunky charger. This thing is sleek, and it runs for three months on one charge. It is sleek. It is a good-looking electric toothbrush, man. It is, and it works like a, it's like a power cleaning for your mouth. You'll be like, who didn't know you think? I didn't know my teeth could be this clean. It's because you don't have a quip. Quip is the gift that keeps refreshing with brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. And you can even gift prepaid refills for a year to make sure they're never using old, worn out, or ineffective bristles. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association as thousands of verified five star reviews. Listen. You will never have a cleaner mouth than Quip. I'm telling you right now. It is awesome. Quip looks like a big ticket tech gift with a stocking stuffer price. Starting at just $25. And if you go to get Quip, why are you laughing? Joe, like, you, remember when we first started doing reads? <laughs> I get it. To, you know what it is? They send me the products and they're they're damn good. We don't use, I don't advertise products. I'm, I'm with, uh, enjoying the it. delivery here, man. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. And if you go to getquip.com slash Dan. That's GetQuip, Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash Dan. Right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Dan, getquip.com slash Dan. Go pick up one for your uh, family members, for everyone. Put them in their stockings, getquip.com slash Dan. All right. So just quick on his Rubio story. I'm reading the Wall Street Journal tomorrow. He just fillet Marco Rubio again, who uh, I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening with him. Apparently, he has some kind of a beef with the Trump tax cuts on the on the corporate side. Um, so he, he he's putting out some disinformation about how these tax cuts work in an effort uh, to get a, a a piece of legislation passed that would tax corporate stock buybacks. I I, I was astounded reading this. I had to read it twice because I don't want to get the story wrong. And if anyone on the Rubio team uh, thinks I'm mischaracterizing it, I, I mean it. Send me an email, and I'll read your statement on the air. I am not. Um, I'm not looking to, for any you know Republican on Republican violence here, a political violence. I'm not. I, if I'm mischaracterizing this, please explain it to me. But according to the Wall Street Journal today, Rubio's pushing this plan to tax corporate stock buybacks. In other words, suggesting Joe that when corporations got a tax cut under the Trump tax cut plan. That they should be using that corporate tax cut not for buybacks but for investment. Uh-huh. Now that's that's a great talking point. It sounds wonderful, um, but it, it's economic ignorance at its worst. And I don't know why Rubio would be pushing this, ladies and gentlemen. If businesses get a tax cut, one businesses understand are just tax collectors for the government. You get that, right? Mm-hmm. Businesses, what they do is they just incorporate taxes into their prices and pass the money onto the government. Government businesses are simply tax collectors for the government. Mm-hmm. They incorporate it into their price, economy-wide, and they pass the money on to the government. Why we would be interested in creating bigger tax hikes throughout the economy and higher prices so they can pass more money on to the government, I have no idea. Now, Rubio seems to be suggesting here that when companies buy back their stock, the company could better use that money to invest in their own company. Okay, great. But what if the company doesn't have any good ideas? So let me get this straight. Senator Rubio, you want a bill to disincentivize stock buybacks by taxing them. That's what right? so you want to stop them or you want to slow them down because you want companies to invest in non-productive enterprises in their own company. Joe, listen, you know, I, I did an MBA. I don't throw my education out there a lot at Penn State. I loved it. And I did learn a lot. I run a business now with my wife. Um, it's getting very complicated. as Joe knows managing all this stuff. Uh, but I'm not claiming to be some tycoon. But I'm pretty confident that when a business sees an investment opportunity and has the cash it invests in it, and when it doesn't, it does something else with the cash. It can invest it in other companies. It can invest it in their employees. It can invest it in buybacks, which returns the cash to investors in their company who can then use their money to invest in another company that has an actual business opportunity. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is Econ 101. This isn't complicated stuff here. If business A produces widgets, they don't have any great ideas. They get this money from a stock, uh, from a a, tax cut. It's their own money, by the way. Money they would have sent to the government that they now have. No one's giving them anything. It's their money. Now they get this, uh, they're like, okay, great. We've got some extra money due to a tax cut. What do we do? Well, let's give our employees raises, but we don't really have any new product lines. So let's do this. Let's buy back our stock and the stockholders in our company are now be a little wealthier. They can take that money through the buyback and invest in another company that has a good idea. We don't have anything right now. It happens all the time. Rubio's acting like somehow that's a bad thing. Stock buybacks. Stock buybacks. Oh my gosh. Stock buybacks. are so. So Rubio wants them to do what? It wants a company that makes the widgets to take their own money, which they're not giving to the government now for a tax cut, to do what? To go spend it on ridiculous dopey things that aren't going to make the company any money so that the product line goes out of business and the employees lose their jobs? Does this make any sense? No. Let me read to you from the Wall Street Journal piece. Uh, it doesn't have to work this way. Rubio's piece said supply side theory that increased investment benefits workers in the long run only works if investment actually increases. Okay. But the Wall Street Journal responds, investment has actually increased. After two years of nearly zero growth ending in 2016, private non-residential investment has since risen smartly despite tightening monetary policy. In other words, despite interest rates going up and money getting more expensive, investment is increasing due to the Trump tax cuts. Did he miss this? In other words, businesses see more opportunities to invest than they are doing so. And in cases where firms, this is important. And in cases where firms don't see a good opportunity to expand, they are buying back their shares, allowing investors to use the cash to invest in other businesses with better opportunities. Folks, it's hard to figure out. Why is Rubio? I don't get it. And again, I want to be fair to the guy. I know I've been tough on him in the past, especially with this Spygate stuff. Not that he really cares or anything, because I think he's he's he's. I don't know what's going on with that. I have theories, but I don't want to put them out there. Not yet. Well, I'm comfortable. But this is economic ignorance. You want to tax buybacks now to give money businesses earned in the free market that they can invest in their employees, invest in their shareholders, who can invest it in elsewhere? You want to t- instead tax it to give it to the government? This makes absolutely zero sense. Okay. Okay. Uh, final story and by the way just breaking news Martha McSally who lost her United States Senate race to Kirsten Cinema in Arizona the democrat Martha McSally was the republican uh it, breaking news is going to be appointed to the seat uh, vacated by Jeff Flake that was occupied by um oh, excuse me not Flake that was McCain's seat forgive me uh that we that was the election for I'm confusing you Uh McCain's seat so Mc, just to follow McSally lost the republican So she's now obviously a free citizen out there to do her thing. She's a congresswoman now. She is now going to be appointed to McCain's seat that was occupied by John Kyle, the former senator, who now says, I'm not serving after January. You following, mm-hmm. so that's just breaking news now. So, uh, interesting uh, to put that out there. I'm kind of always fascinated by the internal political flows, how people move in and out of these seats. So, uh, it's up for you to decide. Some people thought McSally ran a rather lukewarm campaign in Arizona where she lost to the Democrats. So, I assume a lot of people are not going to be happy about that, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, um, another story today, uh, you know, Scott Atlas has a decent piece in the Wall Street Journal about uh, this push for uh, it well. He's talking about how statistics are are, are used to misrepresent single payer government run health care. This is an important story, though. I want to talk about it from a different lens. Uh, I'm sensing this growing tide amongst the Democrats, especially now after the Obamacare decision where it was uh, deemed unconstitutional by Judge Reed O'Connor in Texas. Uh, this case is going to make its way to the Supreme Court. And the Democrats, ladies and gentlemen, are starting to panic that Obamacare is going to lose in court and be expunged from the history of books forever. Uh, which will be now? It will only be remembered as a historical stain on our healthcare legislative front. The Democrats are panicking. So I'm seeing a doubling down now on the push for Medicare for all because when Democrats screw up by introducing government into healthcare, instead of dialing back, they introduce more of the poison to solve the poison, which is the government in healthcare. So this Medicare for all push is going to uh, be going out there. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of it now. Some of the statistics they're using to push for what is essentially going to be a government-run healthcare system in the United States under the guise of Medicare for all—it's really Medicaid for all. Which is a broken, um, non-functioning, ill-working healthcare system uh, for for America's lower-income population. That's what it's going to be for you too. The Democrats are going to start throwing out their numbers to justify. The implementation of more government in single payer healthcare. So you're tracking what I'm talking about. I think Atlas senses this, and this is why he put in his journal piece today. You know, here are some statistics used to uh, you know advocate for single payer for all, and he debunks them, and he does a good job. Here's one of them, and I've talked about this on the show before. These single payer government-run healthcare advocates who constantly bash the U.S. healthcare system, Joe, will say, "Well, infant mortality rates here are some of the worst in the industrialized world, in the United States." And look at where we have single payer health care. They're so much better. Again, ladies and gentlemen, liberals are wrong on just about everything. We covered net neutrality yesterday, where they blew it. They just make this stuff up. Okay, You understand that liberals love to make stuff up. Making stuff up is their it's their side. It's their side hustle. The reason infant mortality rates are are worse in the United States than they are overseas, according to the statistics in socialized medicine countries, is because the measurement is different. The United States measures almost every live birth. If, a, if an infant takes one breath and tragically doesn't make it, that is measured as a live birth in those statistics of infant mortality. Tell me you get this because it's important, right? This is how it works. The United States measures it according to the standard definition. If a child is born alive and takes a breath, that is a live birth. That's not how Europe measures live births. They only measure live births after a child and infant has survived for a period of time. Do you see the difference? Of course infant mortality is going to be higher in the United States when we measure every live birth and the socialized medicine countries do not. Mm. They don't measure every live birth. You have to survive for a period of time. Of course that's going to skew the statistics. Atlas also talks about how uh, we have a lot, we have more premature births in the United States due to lifestyle factors, not the healthcare system. So you can throw that statistic out. It's meaningless. It's a, it's an apples to oranges statistic. We don't measure them the same way. Secondly, and I'll leave you with this. You'll hear the liberals oh, arguing for government healthcare. Here. Well, life inspect life expectancy here is worse. Ladies and gentlemen, life expectancy is worse in the United States because of obesity and other health or lifestyle factors. There's nothing to do with the healthcare system. Matter of fact, our illness outcomes and survival rates from cancer and heart disease in our healthcare system are far better than socialized medicine. We are so wealthy that the United States has a large portion of people who happen to be obese, which leads to worse health outcomes. It's got absolutely nothing to do with anything else. It's ridiculous. They're just making this stuff up. I wanted you to have that ammunition because I'm telling you, you heard it here first. That fight is coming. I had a guy tell me the other day, I went back and listened to your entire library and your show. Joe, he applauded us. He was, it's odd how much stuff you said was going to happen that actually happened later on. All Go right. back and listen. Check it out. Hmm. I know I follow the Democrats and their their uh, their email groups and everything. I know exactly what they're thinking. Now you have the mental ammunition to fight back. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Please do not forget to watch the Sean Hannity show on Fox. Uh, watch it every night, but watch it Wednesday night, this Wednesday and Thursday. I will be guest hosting. Should be fun. I will also be guest hosting his radio program on Wednesday. i um, headed up running, uh, running, uh, running up to New York today. Uh, so don't forget to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. I appreciate your support. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the Dan Bongino Show on iHeart. You can follow on iTunes, on the podcast app, on Spotify. Uh, It helps us move up the charts. Thanks a lot, folks. I appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.